Who Dares Wins. This is the motto of the Australian Special Air Service Regiment, one of the world's most elite counter-terrorist units. For this episode, we're going to play part two of the conversation that we had with Special Air Service Regiment Trooper and recipient of the Victoria Cross, Mark Donaldson. The Victoria Cross is the highest award that can be awarded to a soldier in combat for an Australian. Mark talks about running operations with the Army Special Forces Green Berets in Afghanistan, and then he talks about the operation for which he was awarded the Victoria Cross. For this conversation, I was on with my co-host, Chantel Taylor. My name is John Hendricks. This is this week's Global Recon Podcast. Yeah, yeah. But now, so yeah. So I guess um, uh, probably just to give it some context, you know, 2008 we got a lot more kinetic and targeted, and um, and that led us to we'd have one of those funny trips where it was a bit of like tit for tat, you know, um, a bit more engagement, a bit more contact with the bad guys, and we'd lost one of our guys through an IED strike, and and you know a couple of guys wounded and some other things, and. Uh, and I'd been blown up in an IED a couple of weeks before this, three weeks before this as well. Um, and and we went, we'd sort of cleared out that sort of top guy from 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 our province anyway. And it was the next, the usual thing, right? The poison chalice. So the next guy was coming in, and we wanted to get on top of that quickly. And it led us up to the this area of Ruzgan, which was kind of um, as John was talking about before, it was under control of the ODA teams. Uh, and there was, there was an awesome team up there. Um, out of Five Anaconda uh, at Kazaru's gun, who, you know, we flew in there and the usual Aussie thing, right? We like the Aussie backpacker that comes and sleeps on your, on your couch and eats your food and uses all your hot water. And, um, you know, I'm sure they saw us like that. So we tried to do the right thing and brought some Red Bull and milk and whatever else, you know, um, some fresh supplies in. But uh, we kind of just slept on their couch for a bit. But they were awesome, you know. They, they gave us their beds and, um, they, they put up with a bit of a hardship while we were there. So, you know, we totally appreciate that. And we always did. But we did our mission and we missed the guy we were looking for. So we'll, um, it was at that sort of period where we couldn't just demand an air asset. Um, it was one of those sort of periods where you're always sort of fighting for those those resources. And, you know, um, one of the things that Australia can't bring to the party sometimes Uh you know, is that is that that organic asset? Um, not always, but sometimes, and it was certainly one of those times. And so we're kind of stuck up there for a few days. So we got our heads together with our ODA lads and and said, okay, what can we do to help out? Came up with a really good plan about how you know where they usually get attacked and things. And um, God bless them, you know. I mean, I love them, but the uh, <laughs> in all simpleness of the plan, it was okay. You you guys, you Americans, you go out there and you hummers. 
Humvees and, and uh, basically be the worm on the hook. Um, we we got into position overnight, and and when the Americans came out in the morning, you know the bad guys came out to get them, and just like they said they would, um, and and we managed to get the bad guys first, and uh, it was really really good, sort of uh, planning, good execution of of you know using both four well or three forces really because they had their Afghan guys that they were training up as well, um, and utilizing them as well. So you now we were all very excited and. and we came back to the fob and, you know, lots of high fives and bum slaps and things and, uh, and you know, excitement from grown men and, uh, and, 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 you know, the people that were there, the rest of the people on the, uh, on the, on the, on the base as well. And it sort of led to this other mission where they said, you know, this other valley out to the east, they haven't been able to, to get up there for quite some time and they knew there was a pretty serious network of bad guys up there. And we were, you know, we were primarily targeting the, the leaders of the groups. Uh, and we decided to do something similar. The only difference with this valley was whilst it's quite wide, like it was quite a wide valley, um, there was only really one way in and one way out back to the FOB. Um, we committed five Humvees and, and two of our patrols, SAS patrols, of which I was a part of, plus uh, two engineers attached, which made 13 guys, uh, Aussies, uh, jumped on the vehicles with the Americans and we went up this valley. So we're about five k's away from the fob, five to between about five and seven k's at the furthest point, and uh, so you know, um, away from that organic support as well, the mortars and things that they had there, and, uh, and and we did a very similar mission where we got off the vehicles and our other guys had, had humped it overnight into position into this valley and pushed all the bad guys uh, up into where the Aussies were hiding and, and got them uh, and. It was that afternoon we came back and jumped back on the vehicles with the Americans to head back through the valley to get back to the base. And it was sort of late afternoon. We were heading west, so the sun was, you know, sort of beaming straight at us. And we had some indication um, through the through the ICOM and whatnot about uh, how they, they were going to attack us. And um, it was one of those things. There was no real combat. There was combat indicators, but they're not, not the sort of really – normal large ones you know normally you see large masses of women and children leaving and, and and all those sorts of things that give you some really good indications that something's definitely going to kick off and we'd gone through sort of two must have been two points of theirs already where they said let's ambush them now and you know the commander was coming out of the radio saying no no just wait just wait um and i wouldn't say we got complacent but you know well the third time that started to happen we're like well are you guys going to have a go or not um as you do over there right and I was on the fifth vehicle, the, uh, the patrol I was with, and we were the last vehicle. And we came over this small rise, and, and that's when it kind of all erupted on us. Um, so as we were heading west, just trying to give a picture, um, we were kind of in that that weird ground between like a ridge line, and then there's that sloping sort of alluvial plain sort of stuff before it hits the green belt. And that was probably only about 200 metres wide. Um, and, and we got hit from the green belt to the – to the south and four different directions initially from what I remember. RPGs coming in, you know, watching them whoosh over your head and, and that crazy noise they make when they come straight past your head. Uh, exploding, hitting some of the vehicles. A couple of the Americans got wounded early. Um, and we, we did what we trained to do, you know, you fight back. Uh, so I jumped off the vehicle myself, 
and and I'd organised to use our 84 millimetre Carl Gustav. Um, so I grabbed that and I, I pushed off to the flanks and started to fire that. I'd run back to the cars. I'd pick up another rocket, load it up, run back out, uh, shoot it off. During that period, one of our newest, brand new guys, uh, he was running rockets out to me as well. And uh, he was a replacement for the guy who got wounded um, in the IED a few weeks earlier. So this was his third time outside the wire. It's like his third mission ever. Um, wow. I think it speaks volumes for the training that, that special ops can do. Um, you know, he was the new guy. We didn't know him from a bar of soap, but he was our new guy. So, um, and, and we all knew where he came from and what he'd been through to get there. So, um, you know, you pay him that respect. But he was running rockets out to us as well, and I fired off seven rockets out there off to the flank and ended up just staying out there to fire them off. Um, funnily enough, <laughs> when you fire an 84 off and it creates a bit of a percussion and uh, lots of bullets were coming back in our direction. But, um, you know, it was just that sort of normal combat thing where you just, you know, you're engaging, you're firing back. And we, this went on for about 20 minutes, um, this engagement. You know, you're trying to pick targets through the trees. You could see guys moving around here and there. It was very sort of one of those traditional early day contacts where it was a bit, it's really kind of hard to see them um, and pick out where they were. And and, and especially because it was coming from many different directions, it was very well coordinated. Ended up on this small knoll. Um, sort of giving us cover to the north, uh, sorry, to the south, but our backs were exposed to the north. And uh, and I was with the new guy, we were probably two or three metres apart. And uh, it was one of those moments where, you you know, you kind of just share a bit of a joke. And, and I looked at across at him and uh, and I said, you lucky little bastard. And then, uh, he kind of looked back at me and he said, what? And I said, mate, guys will do, you know, years in, in places like this, in units like this. Sometimes a whole career to get into something like this. And uh, and I said, and here you are, you know, day number three, you're amongst it already. And uh, he, he looked back at me with his cheeky sort of, he's a real Aussie guy, um, you know, cheeky little Aussie grin and just said, yeah, I know, it's good, isn't it? And, uh, and and just as we were sort of having a laugh about it all at that moment, um, you know, and I guess that sort of, um, that level of, you know, we like to use humour a lot. It's one of our ethoses and, and you know, it just helps us keep everything in, in perspective, I think. But um, right there and then, you know, about 20, you know, a burst of machine gun fire from our, from the north came from behind us and, and ripped straight through between us. Um, you know, the bullets were hitting between us. And and that's when we kind of went, okay, we've got guys behind us as well now. Um, so, yeah, everyone started orientating that way and, and firing up into the that ridge line on the north, which is very dominant over that valley. And, uh, and the JTACs were getting some aircraft in and we had some fast jets and they were putting in as much ordnance as they could but it wasn't really stopping these guys that much. It was it was it would stop them for the initial engagement and then then they'd just keep cracking at us. Um, we took a few more guys, got clipped a little bit early there and, and we eventually jumped back on the vehicles and said, well, let's just, you know, let's punch through this valley. Let's try and get out of here. Um, as we did that, it kind of – dwelled a little bit and we continued to move through the valley and then it started up again and the jets had kind of disappeared they'd gone um the the american jtac was having trouble um and nothing against the guy it was a very chaotic situation but he was having trouble getting getting the air above us there's a lot of communications issues um it was one of those classic sort of snowball things where you know if anything could go wrong it would go wrong and it happened right there and then 
Um, you know, our comms, I remember my comms between myself and the Americans was was very, very shitty, even though we were only two metres apart. Um, the comms back to the other guys, the other Australians that could have supported us with air were, were non-existent. We couldn't reach the base. So it was sort of one of those things where comms sort of went out. Um, we continued to go through the valley and I remember being on the back of the vehicle thinking this is a shit spot to be because, you know, if I was on the car, that's what I'd, you know, if I was the enemy, that's what I'd shoot at. So I, I started to run from along the sides of the vehicle and try and use it as cover. Um, guy popped up really close with an RPG, um, managed, managed to shoot him, but uh, a couple of us engaged him anyway. So I'm not going to claim that one, but I don't know who got it. But um, then a couple of other guys popped up and planted a couple of RPGs in front of our vehicle. Um, and that's, you know, I remember, just remember the smoke and the noise and the, the rocks and the dust and all those sorts of things coming down. Then my uh, patrol commander got hit through the wrist uh, and he got sort of bailed into the back of the Hummer. Um, again, not a lot of room in those things, as you guys might know, and certainly the guys that, that worked with them would know. Um, not when you've got six extra Aussies who are just hitchhiking a ride as well. And uh, we continued to fight, and I remember moving around the vehicles a lot just to sort of use them as cover and, and jumping up onto the back tray and directing the, uh, the American guys who were using the 240 Bravos up onto the, the ridge line, um, you know, spotting the enemy machine gun pits basically from their um, from the fire, you know, from the from the smoke and the dust and stuff coming out of the percussion. Um, kicking up the dust to coming out of their fighting pits to try and direct the gunners onto them. We, we drove for a bit longer and then we got started to get some pretty serious guys, some serious woundings. And my mate uh, in front of the car in front of us, he got hit through his right calf, pretty much took off most of his right calf. Uh, and he hit the deck. He tried to get back up and move again, fell over again. And then he got shot through his left leg and, and, couldn't walk, tried to stand up, fell over again. He started crawling after the car. Car was driving away from him and he's just sort of dragging himself on his elbows, yelling out to the vehicle to stop. Um, they eventually saw him, pulled up the car. Uh, one of the Aussies jumped out, dragged him in beside the vehicle to use it as cover. And we used our vehicle on the other side, so to sort of sandwich in between the two cars. Uh, at that point, myself and two other guys, we moved away from the vehicles, just into the open, uh, into this very, very small scrape that wasn't really providing anything of <laughs> cover to the south but um we were trying to pick off targets and uh, you know i guess in a conscious decision we we're trying to sort of move the fire away from the vehicle so they could work on him um they threw two tourniquets on his legs the, the and we had the americans there they had the 18 deltas um from the ada teams who did an awesome job you know shout out to those guys because they're amazing and uh, but I remember lying in this ditch and and watched these two Apaches come over for whatever weird reason. There was this, there was this sort of race up at the fob halfway through all this. I remember watching this Chinook come in and these two Apaches and, and the next thing you know the Apaches are over the top of us. And I thought, oh, this will be good. You know, this will change the battle. This will help us out a lot because if we can just get some fire up onto that ridgeline to the north and and suppress at least one side of it, um, you know, that'll give us give us time to to really sort of deal with this situation. And I remember him flying around and I was trying to engage the guys I could in the green. And then I watched these two Apaches fly off and they didn't drop any ordnance and, and they didn't do anything. And then they just took off and I watched them fly off through the valley and disappear, like two little black dots. And I remember lying in this ditch just going, this is, this is what fear is, right? 
Um, you know, I thought I'd been not so much scared, I guess, in, in battle before that, but, you know, I'm not sure if this is the valley I'm ever going to come out of kind of thing. And, uh, and I thought this is this is what absolute fear is. I, I didn't want to move. I wish I had a big metal box just to sit inside because um, some of the rounds were starting to come pretty close, as I had already, but even more so. Um, and I had this weird little conversation in my head about, well, fuck, you know, if the badges aren't going to do anything, then the only people that are going to get you out of this valley is, is us. And the only way you're going to do that is if you get up off the ground and start moving. Um, so that's really what what got me up out of there that day, I believe, is a quick little conversation about, well, you know, sitting here being scared isn't isn't really going to help you, um, you know, get up and start moving because your mates are wounded and they need you to do something. And uh, so I got up and ran around and started helping the guys get, get the wounded guy in the back of the vehicle. As we started to move, our JTAC had his binoculars shot out or his laser rangefinder shot out of his hand. Uh, and then the next bullet cut under his armpit, ripped through his lung, his stomach, his liver, his spleen, pancreas, his upper intestine, and then came out his left hip. So he was you now in a pretty bad way as well. So we've got one guy that's, you know, potential femoral artery hemorrhaging you know, and, and everything else in his legs, and now we've got another guy who's just been shot through the chest. Um, extremely bad. Again, we stopped. The 18 Deltas did an amazing job of putting a hole in him and uh, putting a seal in his chest, and we just had to put him back in armors because the, the, the air meds weren't going to come, the AMEs weren't going to come, and, and risk of frame picking us up. Still lots of gunfire going on at this stage. So we... <laughs> I remember we chucked him in the front of the vehicle and, you know, all, all puns aside, someone said, you're just going to have to suck it up. Um, and and we continued fighting. And, and it got kind of strange at this point. Like there was, there was, there was this little sort of ditch and, uh, and some rockets really started coming in. And then I remember the car in front of me just disappeared in this sort of big hail of dust and rocks and explosions and rockets were just pounding it. Um, and then – Two of the guys, one was American, one was an Aussie. I'm um, oh, sorry, two Aussies got wounded during that. Um, but one of the Aussies in particular, he uh, he crawled underneath the vehicle to try and get some some cover and then the vehicle took off and he was trying to hang on to the axle underneath it to, to, to get just, just getting dragged along by the vehicle, trying to use it as cover, and then he couldn't hang on and it got sped out the back. Um, the American guy jumped on the vehicle. They'd both been shot, so he started running after it. And, you know, we were behind it watching this and I was engaging the enemy I could see or for where I thought they were. And uh, and he eventually um, made his way to the front of the car and, and jumped on the Hummer. And uh, his gun had been shot, so his gun was useless. He'd been shot through the hip uh, and through his ankle. And, uh, and he kind of – I remember talking to him and he said he thought to himself, well, you know, I could take a few more to the body, but if I cop one in the head, I'm no good. So he jumped on the uh, he jumped on the front of the car and wrapped the chain you know the tow chain around his head um, and continued to do what he could from there, which was just get on the radio and try and coordinate things, and uh, and we continued to fight and we got to another spot through the valley where we we're just you know sort of on one side of the car, a couple of seconds breather, he'd run around the other side of the car just getting chased by bullets and there was myself, uh, the young guy, the brand new guy, and then my two IC and uh, and we we sort of stuck together doing this the whole time. And then we got to a point where the, the cars were getting smashed again by rockets. And uh, I remember having a quick conversation with Torsi saying, this is mental, you know, these two cars have gone through that one spot getting hammered 
they've got it dialed in. You know, that's it's it's they've ranged it already. They know exactly where they're going to shoot these things. Um, and I said, I'm going to I'm going to run through first. Uh, and he said, Yeah, okay, I'll come with you. So we took off. Uh, we punched out in front of the vehicle on foot uh, and try and draw the fire away from the from the wounded guys in the car. Um, we ran through that spot. I just I remember the bullets coming in. I remember the rockets, like hearing them come across and hearing them being, you know, the thud at the other end of obviously them leaving the uh, the units. And we slid in behind this rock that was, uh, I don't know, maybe the size of a washing machine. And uh, <clears throat> I slid in first and then he slid in and it kind of knocked me out one side and then I jumped back in behind it and pushed him back out the other way. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we were sort of having a little cuddle behind the rock. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I remember looking back though and, and, and the car that, that we were sort of fighting alongside went through unscathed and it was just enough to sort of take that, that you know, to put enough doubt in the enemy's mind about who do we shoot, did we shoot the guy running in front of the car or do we shoot the car itself? And, and it, um, you know, they had a crack at us and by the time we, you know, they missed us and then they missed the car as well, which was good. Then we made it, we had to make a dash back to the vehicle and, and we did so. Uh, and this continued on and on, you know, just fighting around and around the cars, um, trying to get some momentum, trying to get moving. Unfortunately, the guys driving the first car, um, they decided to stop and just close all the hatches. These were the Afghan guys. The, the ADA dudes are trained up and, and you know, they, they just decided to go hold down and not move. Um, and we didn't really want a mobility kill because that was just going to stop us all together. So um, one of the Aussies ran forward and pulled the driver out uh, and jumped in the car and started to drive it himself. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and then we just continued to fight alongside the cars. Uh, it got to a point where the car in front of us got smashed by RPGs and two guys got blown out of the back of it from what I remember. And one was a, <coughs> excuse me, one was an Afghan engineer, uh, sorry, an Afghan interpreter. The other was an Aussie engineer. And uh, and uh, he had a dog as well. And that's when the dog took off into the village. Uh, that was the last time it was seen. Um, but he got up and started to move. But the, the Afghan guy was, was laying face down in a pool of blood not moving and we'd kind of offset from this and the car that I was fighting alongside and when I said to my mate you know I'm going to go out there and get him um we had a quick discussion and then I just took off and uh I just remember looking at him thinking you know I know I can get to this bloke um no one wants to be left behind in a battle you know it'll be the worst place to be I think and 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 uh so I got out to him um started to drag him he was unconscious, uh, blood all over his face. Um, you know, I'm not a big guy, so I started to drag him through the dirt. It wasn't really working out for me. <laughs> so I got him up to his feet and, and you know, bullets were coming in around us everywhere. Feel him brushing past my pants and stuff. Um, got him up to his feet, got my arm underneath him and sort of started to half carry, half drag him. Um, he was a bit taller than me. And... Uh, just started, just started to sort of run back towards the car and it was driving away from us. I was trying to weigh up all the options, you know. I just remember thinking, <clears throat> do I just leave this guy there? Do I, do I use him as a shield or do I just try and get him back to the car? And, you know, I just thought, well, the best place to be is back on the vehicle for this bloke. You know, he's, he's got some pretty serious wounds by the looks of it. Um, let's get him back. And, 
and that's all I sort of really focused on was the back of that vehicle and just ran as hard as I could till I got there. Managed to eventually get to the vehicle. Um, I was pretty dry by that stage, and and it's kind of hard to open a Hummer when you're holding a bloke, um, holding your gun, uh, and open the car door of the Hummer whilst it's moving as well. So it took me a little while to actually get him in the back of the car and uh, and wrap a bandage around his head and, and kind of, you know, that was the best medical aid I could really give at the time. As I came to the back of the car, my young mate, the young guy, was his third job ever, was at the back of the vehicle and um, he'd been fighting and he had blood all down his face And uh, during this sort of process. And, and I said, mate, what happened to you? And he said, I've been shot. And I said, yeah, no fucking shit. Um, he shot through the head. And but he was still, it was alive. It just grazed his skull. So he had an in and out through his head. Um, but it didn't actually penetrate his skull. Um, so it just grazed it. But we eventually were at full sprint. We finally got into the back of the vehicle. Um, and to fight from there, the cars were just taken off at this stage. And uh, when we when we climbed into the back, there was there was a wounded American. Um, the gun on the back wasn't going. There was an Aussie in the turret, but the gun on the back wasn't working. There's a wounded American and wounded Afghan had been shot through the face. Another wounded Aussie been shot through the leg and through the hand. He wasn't fighting either. And then, uh, regrettably, there was a dead American, um, one of the uh, engineer guys. He was a, a dog handler that they had as an attachment. And uh, Sergeant Rodriguez, and you know, unfortunately he was dead. So we continued to fight from the back of the vehicle. And I remember the rounds are coming in that hot that you know, I started looking for. Um, I haven't. I don't really talk about this a lot, to be honest. Um, started looking for options about, you know, I could take a couple in the body. Um, it's come pretty close already. You know, over the 50% of our force had been hit. Um, I don't really want to take one in the head, so – made a tough decision to take the helmet off off the uh, dead American and uh, he'd been killed and he'd been shot through the head. So it wasn't very pretty. But um, put his helmet on and then continued to grab the, the machine gun, the 240 Bravo on the back and then start using that. Um, makes you feel pretty good using a machine gun in a battle like that <laughs> after you've been using your little pea shooter trying to shoot out to, to some distance on the move. Um, but started to use that. It stopped. Um, went through the stoppage drill and then when I went to reach around the front of it to change the gas setting on it, um, it had a bullet strike straight through the gas um, the gas setting. So that was all peeled open and useless. Um, so then we lost the use of that machine gun. Um, didn't know where the spare barrel was at that stage. So just grabbed my gun and we just continued to fight out of the back of the vehicles. Um, we eventually made it back to the, the, to the base. And when we got there, like I said, about 50% of the force was wounded. So, you know, they were talking about overrunning the base. Um, you know, we're getting smashed from both sides. So I went for about three and a half hours, roughly. I mean, I didn't hit the stopwatch, but, yeah, three and a half hours from sort of first bullets to last bullets. And it was just after that initial sort of um, lull, after that initial battle, it was just really consistent, um, you know, gunfire and rockets. I've never really experienced consistency like that. Um, up until that point anyway uh, and certainly to be honest I hadn't really experienced it since not consistently like that so anytime yes. you're on one side of the vehicle you're getting shot at so uh, it was about four kilometres long from start to finish from sort of first bullets to last bullets so um, yeah when we got back to the fob started working on all the wounded guys and 
and uh, you know prioritizing and as you would know Chantel what that's like right so yeah. um, and then it was well into the night by the time we sort of it took three aeromedical evacuations on a roughly sort of 60 80 minute turnaround to to get the guys out so you know he's trying to stabilize some blokes and the priorities being the you know the good guys and then the bad guys so well not the bad guys sorry but the good guys and then the you know the guys that aren't um, as critical, I guess. Um, so yeah, the the uh, the last helicopter lift out once we dragged all the ammo off. Um, the last guy I put on there was was it will help put on there was uh, was the Afghan guy I went and picked up, and that was the last time I saw him. So um, you know, I don't know whether he, I didn't know whether he lived or not. I heard he had, but uh, I don't know. He was a local from what I know, so I don't know whether he went back up there and went home or what he did, but. Um, that was kind of the battle, I suppose. Um, but you know, the, with all, the, all of that that you're saying, Mark, the one thing that that you don't say, and that that I know that's gonna would have been a huge like factor that people couldn't even imagine. Aside of all of that really vivid thing that that you're talking about, is the heat. Mm. I mean, the the way that you're saying that you were cutting around as and, and other people for that for that prolonged attack. And, I've, you know, that's, to me, is just that's fucking incredible. I mean, because you've, you've not even taken it, – it's, it's quite hard to, I guess, unless unless you're there, even if you, you could describe it every single day of the week, but it would still be impossible to describe just how hard that hard going that was. Yeah, I, I remember running out of water early during the battle too. Um, I mean, and yeah, I mean, could, 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 it's almost like – like like we were describing earlier, when things you know when it rains it pours. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that day, you know, and even the the sort of you just describing that 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 moment that you don't talk about about the the helmet that that's the reality of war to try and even in the, the you know the best books the books the book that you've written yourself and and all of those other things it's still it's still extremely hard to to explain. Like I can even now, I can imagine your like your dry mouth. I can imagine the way that, you know, the way that you'd just the thinking about you sort of lying in those ditches in your own little world, coming up with those those ideas is is incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's, that's of why course, you do all that work. Yeah, but it, yeah, but you um, say that, and, you, and you're going to be really humble about it now. <laughs> and I know exactly what you, but not everyone can do that. That's not in everybody, and it is. Yeah, much as well, it's, yeah. I mean, that's why there's a process, I suppose. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's all I appreciate. You know, where you get at, and it, it no, is—it's really hard. To it's that, weird, that, that. it's hard to say it about yourself, isn't it? Yeah, and it, yeah, you wouldn't. Why you wouldn't say it about it? I, I get that. Yeah, but I mean, you're right. Though it's it's you know the conditions. Um, there's a firefight anywhere, right? Nowhere's ideal for a firefight, I guess, unless you're on some sort of lush paddock, and even then it's going to suck, right? So, yeah. Um, but the fact that it's hot and yeah. it's dry, and and you know, it adds it adds an element to everything. And it's almost like it's the last place that you want to die. And I know that that sounds like a strange thing to say, but yeah, it's almost like it's hot. Well, I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, that's that's one of the thoughts I had there. It was like, yeah. you know, um, 
the only yeah, the only way we can get out of this is if we do it ourselves, and and, and I don't really want to die in this valley. Um, you know, and that's like, why I say the last the last um, when I said the the point I made at the beginning of the podcast is that it's no accident that you ended up where you were. You know, with with no, the, the processes Thank you went you. through as you know as a, as a kid with your mum and your father died. You know, he died. Um, too too early as well. That those those different processes. Yeah. It's it's no it's no accident that you ended up there, and it's a, it's an amazing story. Oh, thank you. I just think it's uh, you know, for me, one of the biggest things about that whole day was it was never it was never about the medals and and all those sorts of things. And you know, we we were in a really bad situation. Yeah. And and you know. I'm trying to retell something that was three and a half hours long in a couple of minutes, um, you know, with as much detail as I could possibly give. Um, there were so many other people that did great things there that day, and and that for me, that's always really important, you know, whether it was the Americans, the Afghans or, or the Aussies. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone's going to have an opinion about it, and that's fine, but but, but we lived it. You know, we had to fight it that day. Yeah. And and for me, you know, we came back, we, we got everyone back and, uh, you know, that we could. And you know, the very next day we're out on another mission. And and there's a photo that was taken just before we left the FOB. You know, I think it was another day later or that next day, sorry, of kind of the guys that were left from that day and, and the dudes that had still been wounded as well that were not so critical. But I kind of look at that and I go, that's, you know, for me that's the – that's what I'm most proud about that day, and and it's not so much the medal and the and the ribbon and all that, which is, you know, sort of followed on a few months later. But it was, it was the fact that we did it anyway, and we would yeah. have done it anyway, whether 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 we got the accolade and and anyone heard about it, or they didn't. Um, and that for me is what's most important, is that we did it for each other, um, and the situation that we found ourselves in, and that's what it all comes down to, not. You know, not the other stuff. Well, and it goes again back to the the Great Wars of you. You are you that that process or that that point in time. You were part of something that's just as special as something that was you know part of maybe your your ancestors in the Great Wars. Do you know what I mean? It was that's the it was that sort of thing that that that's never gonna that's gonna be in that's in history. Yeah, exactly. And and, 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 and as we speak about those those um. Places in Europe are, you know, the the places where all of um, the great warriors fell. Again, people will speak about that, and in hundreds of years to come, you know, it's yeah, it's true, and it's it's, it's, um, it's really humbling to listen to. That's why I'm probably short on words. John, are you still awake? Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, and you know, <laughs> listening to it, it's hard, isn't it? To well, it's you know what what it does is like when you're reading a book, you have like a mental picture of what you think it looks like, you know? And as he's telling the story, I'm, I'm like visualizing it. And, um, and as usual, it probably doesn't look like it probably didn't look like what I would imagine it looks like, you know, just from listening to it. Um, but you, know, you, when you, you, you when, can't, it's a smell and things like it's a smell, the heat, and right? Right, Even the, the smell right. from the vehicle fuel—it's all of it, isn't right. it? Right, and and you know, having sweat in your eyes, and you're trying to focus, and you know, you could hear the the rounds cracking by your head. I mean, th- those small details really make the difference in, yeah. in the experience. And um, and I'm just trying to imagine some of those smaller details as he's telling the story, you know. But 
you know, when you talk about things like adding the, the heat factor to it, you know, it, it must be an exhausting process, you know, like you're, you're sitting there, you're, you're trying to think while all this is going on. And, and this is part of where, you know, we we're talking about that mindset and, and how do you overcome obstacles in a tough situation or, or, you know, w- w- one of your, one of your mates gets shot and it's the situation is looking even more bleak than before. How do you come out of that? You know, it's that mindset that you spent all these years training for that kind of gets you to that point, yeah. you know, the, 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 the walking without the, the iPod in your ears, you know, um, that, that, demoral- that demoralizing moment with the Apache, I think that was really telling. <laughs> yeah. Of course, yeah, cause it, yeah. you're sitting there and you're like, fuck, like these dudes, just left, you know, well, you, no, cause you, you, you pray for the Apache. It's like the, as soon as you know that an ugly call signs on station, it's like sweet. Everyone's waiting for it. And it's then <laughs> for, exactly. and for that you know, to you talk about things changing in battle. I mean, those things change in battle. Yeah. And it's simple as that. Um, and and the fact that we'd lost the air, the air assets altogether was yeah. was, was sort of thing in that day. Um, if we'd managed to have them and, and we didn't lose, you know, our JTAC and and the other JTAC didn't have the issues he had and, and then also get clipped, um, you know, just the fact yeah. that there were, the, we didn't get the cars that we could have, we would we would hope to have had. Uh, on any other given day, you know, was was just a, I think was yeah. the probably one of the things about that day was that that sort of you know turned it into a, I don't know, it might sound silly, but it turned into a true gunfight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then you've got the older and, heat seeker, your little buddy. How's he getting along? Yeah, he's alright. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, There's a baptism. Like, I'm not getting shot in today, right? But. Um, no, but is he okay? And I'm not, I'm not joking. Yeah, yeah, I'm, no, he's, I'm laughing he's, when I said, is he okay? Obviously, physically. Uh, he's 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 loving life because his beloved Richmond Tigers, who are a, a football team here in Australia, won the grand final. Right there, uh, you go. Premiership, right? So he he's excited. Does um, it like t- Tim, t- Tim Tams all around? Well, probably VBs more than anything. But, um, but yeah. I still can't get my head around those. Was, I remember someone saying, I "Have a Tim Tam." So there's a fucking penguin, because obviously that's what we call them in the UK. It's a penguin. Yeah. You say, "No, no, it's a Tim." Yeah. And then, yeah, they are slightly different. I'll give you that. Same, same, but, uh, different. Yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's. I think I think that um, that day, you know, you talk about those little things, and and it's the the sound that they make. You know, that a bullet makes yeah. when it slaps the side of the car or when the rocket explodes just in front of you and it's that, that sort of silence and then there's all the noise from the, the rocks and the things. Um, you know, I remember funny little things like um, one stage everything just sort of went, like I got tunnel vision and everything was really, really loud and all I could hear was this deep thump and I remember thinking to myself, you know, shit, have I been shot or, um, you know, am I just in overwhelm? What's going on? Yeah, and then I realised that the fifty cal was one foot above my head, um, you know, from the turret uh, on the Hummer, and, and 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 one of the Americans was shooting the fifty cal right above my head, and and, and that's what it was. Um, you know, it was just my body getting smashed from the fifty cal, my head getting smashed from it, and and then yeah, you know, I remember running out that car and watching a magazine, you know, <laughs> an empty magazine fall out of my pocket, and and just little tiny things like that, right? So yeah, it's um. And that's the thing. People don't realise that those those little things. I mean, it, like I say, the fifty cal, for instance. If if someone's ears go, you know, and then 
all of a sudden their balance is gone. That they're out of the firefight. You know, people yeah. people don't realize that it's it's very. It doesn't take a lot to take people out. No, exactly. You know exactly. And, it, and, it, and it can it, and you can become quite like ineffective really quickly. So those little things that we just don't the detail that you don't even think about it's, yeah. it's crazy, isn't it? And it's just like you're you're in that moment, right? So you, you know, yeah, you say like we're all sitting here, you know, in our homes or whatever, talking about this, and then you say something like. Yeah, I, I didn't even realize the fifty cal above me was just was just you yeah, know, you know, busting off, and it's like mm-hmm. to be to be in a at a point where you don't realize that a fifty caliber machine gun is firing right above your head, you know, it's kind of crazy. Like like if I hear something drop in my room, I'm like, oh, you know, what's going on? But it's just kind mm-hmm. of that, you know, it it's like you're in the zone. To that moment, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, like you know, yeah, it's true. I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't know, maybe in America you can. You've got the chance to go and do it, but um, you know, go and stick your head next to a 50 cal barrel right at the front. It's not fun, right? So, um, well, it is for a couple of seconds, but after that, it's not so good. But it's, yeah, it's just one of those strange things that, uh, yeah, I don't know, you know, all, all those little things in the battle, but that, that sort of make it what it is. But, um, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, it was a couple of months later before I got told about, you know, the Victoria Cross and stuff, but, um, what did you like because that's you know it doesn't get any higher than that and, and it's almost um and like like we discussed before we actually started the podcast you know you have to have you at least in the 90 percent chance of death and uh, yeah and well, I, I mean i suppose i mean yeah well, it be alive is a huge it's huge isn't it yeah i mean if you look at that i mean if you want to sort of break it down um it's that, it's that signal act, and I say it in an Australian accent to try and, I mean, if, they, if people want to, you know, Google it and read it, look it up. Yeah, look it's it up. Like, <laughs> a whole sort of bunch of definitions, really, that, that sort of yeah. go into it. But one of the main things is it has to have three eyewitness accounts. And, you know, for me, the fact that the guys who were there that day who saw it um, decided it was worth something was, yeah. was enough for me. Um, but but it was a weird thing, you know. It was it was a strange thing being told that that's what's that's what you're going to get. And, um, did you feel did it feel did you feel awkward like going? I know that that sounds like a really stupid 100%. question, but because it's embar- I'm not saying it's embarrassing because clearly what you did is not embarrassing. But just if you're a, if you're a soldier, if you're a special ops like you are, you know you, you're quite humble. So you kind of there, there you are, and you get in this victory. Uh, how, uh, how did you feel? Did you... Yeah, hundred percent felt. Um, to be honest, hundred percent felt unworthy, and and you know, there's an element of me that's comfortable with the fact that I have it now, but yeah, um, I still feel unworthy of it. And and I went and brought a book. It was like, I mean, at the start before we started got into this, I didn't even know what one was. Um, <laughs> you know, I look, I got told about it and rung up and said, "Hey, <laughs> can you come and see the commanding officer and the chief of the army?" Next week. Oh, sorry. And in, in two days' time, at a, at a cafe in, in Perth. No, big, no biggie. Yeah, and I'm going. Well, that's a bit weird because you know, Trooper Donaldson, for example, doesn't normally get rung up by the commander of special ops to say, "Can you come and have a meeting with the chief of you know, the CEO and the, the chief of the army?" So, um, it's kind of like, oh, well, I've really fucked up really bad, and I don't even know it, or or this is about something else, right? Um, so we, you know, we got there and they handed me the bit of paper and. Yeah, you know, to, to kind of paint a picture, I suppose, is it's a bit weird. 
sitting in a cafe getting past a bit of paper and and they'd done it in a sort of traditional way where they'd emptied out and booked half the half the cafe so it was all sort of closed off to public and there was just yeah. this empty space and this one desk right at the far end of the cafe with two guys could you make it a bit more awkward that's like <laughs> yeah i was like well, oh, um, could have just done this in my house, but that's cool. Uh, or at work even, you know, but that's all right. This this will do. And uh <laughs> it's such, and, such a typical Aussie sort of attitude as well. <laughs> but uh, we sat down and, and you know, they, they slid the paper across and it said what it said and and uh and look to be honest, first thing I said to my CEO was what does this mean with work? And um and that was my first question was Oh wow. You know, what what's what's gonna happen to my job? Because I'm in the regiment and, um, you know, I didn't join yeah. up to, to not do it. So, um, you know, luckily enough, they were sensational people uh, and sensational leadership to be able to say, you know, we're happy to tackle those bridges when they come and, and yeah. you know, there might certain things that might change, but, you know, all in all, you'll still be, you know, the, the – the uh, the soldier we, we trained you and wanted you to be so or, or need you to be I guess um you know, and that was that was kind of refreshing to hear you know what I mean yeah. um and and after that we went and had a beer so <laughs> that was kind of the next um, most logical step really because it was after midday that's uh, <laughs> what you do right <laughs> so, yeah it's uh it. It was a bit bizarre because in a week later, you know, I was in the government house and the, the Queen's representative being the Governor General, uh, Quinton Bryce, uh, was was pinning it on my chest and the, the Chief of Defence Force was saluting me, um, you know, which is which is a big deal, I guess, in the sense that, you know, the, the highest ranking officer salutes. At that time, I was the lowest ranking you could possibly get. So, um, you know, that was a pretty big deal for the, for the nation. Yeah. No, it's huge. And it's and you've had like um, I, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Are there three? Have there been three recipients from the S SASR? As in, uh, yeah, there's been two, late. two. Yeah, so there's another um, Ben Robert Smith who made a mind. He got one as well a couple of years later. Yeah. And uh, and then there's also been one from the uh, um, the other unit within the special ops community here, uh, two commando regiment. Um, yeah. So uh, he he also got one. Uh, so it's um. And that was was uh, that Cameron Cameron Baird? Yeah. He was killed, wasn't he? Yeah, Cameron Baird. So he was yeah. he's his posh. So uh, and then the one other from the battalions um, for, for the Afghanistan campaign, Dan Kieran. Um, yeah. So you know, I mean, I guess you, you kind of look at it and go, "Geez, that's quite a few." But um, no, no, yeah, but but they're all different. That's the. You know, yeah, and I've read right. and I've obviously looked at all – they're all very different. And I think it goes to show, you know, the the Aussies, um, especially from the guys that I've known as well that have served in Afghanistan, that the roles, the roles that everyone had in their own little areas of operations were very – were very different but, you know, equally hard, in, you know, in, in these sort of areas because it's it's no joke, you know, this isn't – a lot of people sort of romanticise these things, and I think um, that, that even that story that you've just shared with the Sen clearly, it's, that's not a romantic story. No, and it's, it know? kind of comes back to what you were saying about 
um, did it feel awkward and weird. And, 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 you know, I went to the War Memorial before, um, you know, silly story, but one of the things that's changed for me now is if I go to the War Memorial here in Australia, which is a big, um, it's a huge, yeah. amazing place to go and sort of remember our... It our, looks beautiful our, as well, by the way, that place. Yeah, our military is, yeah, it's fantastic. And, um, but, you know, I go there now and it's kind of hard for me to kind of just be the person who's visiting, um, and which yeah. is great, you know, I love talking to the staff and things. But I went there two days before actually being awarded the BC and looked at all the, there's, um, there's upwards of, I think there's 60, 60, 60 odd VCs in there now um, and reading their stories and just thought, you know, how weird is it that mine yeah. will probably be there very soon. Exactly. So, and and again, it's it's that that thing where we spoke about you know your even your early even the fact you joined um, the unit that you did your early life you know that's that's inspiring enough. And then if I could describe a VC as an added bonus, I mean Jesus, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was- that's the stuff before that was almost enough. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I do, I do. And that's. Um, hey guys, can I just take- I'll take a two-second break. Yeah, sure. sure. Sorry, sorry. I'll just just give me one minute. I'll be back in a sec. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I knew it was serious once he was talking about um going on long hikes with, with no iPod. I was like, wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> that's fucking Bruce Lee shit right there. <laughs> I know because that's really like uh, that's that's hard. That's yeah, really fo- it's really focused, isn't it? Yeah, and you know it's um it's interesting because there was a time where I would I was doing a lot of cardio and I was I was able to run a decent amount of uh, a decent distance. Yeah. And when I was at the top of my game as far as running, I would probably run like the first um, four or five miles and not listen to anything. I, I would have my my earphones with me, but I wouldn't actually turn it on. And I, I felt like it um it kind of took away from my ability to to keep running and, and stay focused. So when he was talking about that, it just kind of brought me back to that point. Like I yeah. kind of understood it to an extent, you know. See, whereas I hey, don't, I, I have my um, I always have the tunes that get me up hills that I have to put on. Mm. But yeah, yeah. To, and we, um, yeah. When when you went away there, Mark, we were just discussing how. Uh, in fact, how did you word it? It was just. Oh no no! That, I said that I, I that knew it was like kind of. Yeah, yeah, like I knew it was like when he when he said um, that he was doing all this long, you know, exercises without any earphones. That's when I'm like, all right, this is serious shit. Um, you know, this guy, this guy's serious shit. Yeah. is what John just said. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you yeah. know, I, I was just thinking, like, um, I was just telling Chantel there was a point where I was able to run a decent distance. Um, you know, I used to run like kind of long distance. And I would run, when I was at the top of my game, I would run the first couple of miles without any music. And I felt like listening to the music kind of took away from my um, my ability to focus. And, you know, when I made the comment about listening to your feet hit the pavement, that's what I used to do. I used to just listen to my feet hit the hit the floor and it kind of kept me in focus, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's uh, And you get into kind of like a weird rhythm, right? Because yeah. you know, we're humans, like patterns. Um, so we create patterns even sometimes to, to, to I guess almost harmonise us, or that's a stupid way to put it. But no, no, no. Um, actually, that that makes sense, and you kind of everything kind of is, is in in harmony. I, I guess that's yeah, the way you sync. describe it. Yeah, yeah. that's how you. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. So right. So that's on 
Yeah. And that stuff. But um, sorry, yeah, I just wanted to come back to the, just that day in the VC just really quickly. Um, I just had to sort out something with the kids, sorry. Um, but a bit of an argument over who knows what. But, um, yeah, I, I just think with those, we're talking a lot about, you know, the bonus or, or, or not the bonus, but the, um, you know, you go through your career and then you get an award such as that. Um, or I guess the MOH, the Medal of Honor for the for the guys in America, is um, I guess one of the things is just really I wanted to highlight probably for the listeners is for me, you know, I, I, I remember that day very differently to how people probably perceive it because of the VC. Um, but something I'm very, very conscious of is the fact that, you know, that's turned out to be sometimes a good thing for me. Uh, it, it is certainly a day which for some of those guys that were there, you know, it was potentially and, and certainly the worst day of their life um, yeah. up until that point. And yeah. my mates who got through their legs, he's, you know, he's had an amazing recovery, but he'll never walk again properly, right? And there's there's going to be certain things that because of that day, his life will have changed forever. Um, and and certainly my other mates that were, you know, shot and wounded and, and the American guys and, and you know, Again, rest in peace, Sergeant Rodriguez, um, and his family. You know that day is very different for them, yeah. and and to be grieved for my wife that day is very different. You know, so uh, um, I really like to try and just keep it in perspective because you know, she sees that day very differently. That was the day that I nearly didn't come home. You know, I nearly I was nearly dead in a valley in Afghanistan somewhere, right? So, um. You know, it, like you were talking about before, you know, people like to romanticise things. I think it's yeah. important to keep those points that, you know, it's, it's certainly from a different perspective, right. um, even though we're in place at the same time. Right. can certainly yeah. turn out people, right? Yeah, and, and talking to different guys um, who have been awarded, you know, for for actions in combat or in a really bad situation, a lot of times what I've been told like off air or, or on air is like, you know, kind of retelling these stories is, is really me or, or this other guy for him, you know, he's told me off air is, you know, that's him reliving the worst day of his life, you know, because now he's yeah. wounded and it's, it's affected him, you know, in, in, in a, in a, in a negative way in, in regards to like, he can't walk the same or, or, you know, for the, the family of a guy who was killed, you know what I mean? So it's, um, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it, it again, yeah. it's just kind of adding perspective. Like w- when you read these books or, you know, a, a situation where maybe a movie was made, it, it's all cool. And like, you know, the gunfight and it's, you know, it's badass and everything, but the reality is people's lives do get changed from these events, uh, for good or for worse, you know? Yeah, exactly. And there's is the it's that famous um it's the ripple effect, isn't it? And the the, the ripples, um, you know, as we as we know today with the issues that guys are guys and and girls are having, there's mm. you know, they get they go far and wide. So yeah, it, right, it, it is important to to understand how you know what what this actually means, and you know, and, and actually what Victoria Cross is. It's, it is it is an award, but you know the You've had to do some stuff to get that award, and some stuff's had to happen on that day. That's not been, um, you know, not not been the best outcome for for a lot of people. Yeah, it's a really good point yeah. to bring up. Yeah, it's um, there's a lot of reality. Uh, yeah, 
there's a lot of truth, probably a better way to put it, not reality, because reality is just perception of what we think it is. But um, that, there's that a lot I have of a feeling, though, uh, Mark. This isn't the end for you. What are you, what are you going to charge into next? It's <laughs> uh, a good question, Chantel. It's uh, <laughs> I've got a few things I'm looking at at the moment, so um, it's just a matter of figuring out which one to take and yeah. uh, what option to take. And, and look, I think I'll probably use a similar approach, and certainly some of the things that I've learned in my um, you know, special ops time uh, is the planning process and all those good things that you learn in there and principles and whatnot. But um, first and foremost, just start doing something, yeah. and 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 that will lead to you know inspiration, motivation, discipline, commitment. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, have an idea, have a plan, but you got to start doing it. And it'd be quite uh, nice if you submit. Are you going to take a bit of a break, like a family break? And oh, I've taken a bit of a break um, yeah. now, so it's now. Time to, well, I've got a little little uh, surf trip with some mates organised, uh, <laughs> which uh, I've got to get get that out of the way. But then it's sort of into it from there, hopefully. Um, I'm half yeah, expected yeah. you to say, "Yeah, I've, I've had a week off. I'm all good. I'm all." Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's look. It's 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 a again, um, like John was saying, it's it's a mindset thing, right? So for yeah. What I've experienced with guys, certainly here in Australia and in the SF community, is you and what I kind of understand now is um, I feel like I'm still a part of it and I always will be. But yeah, that's I've not going to go away. Decided to move out of home, right? And that's kind of how it feels. And and what's familiar and what I'm used to and the guys I'm used to talking with and how we talk and, and the things we talk about. Um I'm stepping into a space that's very different now. Um, but I really just got to keep in mind, you know, why am I doing it and and and, and is it for growth or, um, you know, it, what's at the end of it all? Uh, yeah, for me, it has to really be about a challenge and, and that next thing. Um, I think like for a lot of guys, the hardest thing will be that they really do love this job or that job, um, which I, I do and I did. Uh is is seeing the guys go away and do something else, and that's that's, that's going to be the biggest test, I think. Um, yeah. Especially if you're still young enough and fit enough, mind and soul and body to to sort of get back into it, if that if that was ever the case. But um, yeah, for me, it's about you know really looking at what's next, what's good for the family, and where the, where those values lie. You know, what do I value most? Um, yeah. And I was talking to a mate yesterday about it. And he goes, "Well, who's getting the best of you?" Um, and and uh, you know, we kind of spoke a little bit about that about well. It's really easy these days to come home from work and go, I'm just going to be effort, you know, not putting any effort with the family because I'm tired and I just want to sit down and do nothing. And you kind of go, well, hang on a minute, who's getting the best of me? Is it the people that matter or is it, yeah. is it you know what I mean, or is it the place that you're just pouring everything into for, for no real result other than a bit of cash to do something? Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's really sort of all based around those things now. And it's a, and you've got you know that that transition period it it kind of um, and just from from experience you know it t- it takes time and you've all, you've you've got to allow yourself and, and kind of I, I don't want to sound you know too sort of um, flowery but you've got to be quite kind to yourself you know give yourself some time because it's not it's not easy regardless of because you, you've been at such a pinnacle that you know that transition period is still going to take some time isn't it. Yeah, exactly, and I think it's um, you know, I think certainly for 
Yeah, anything if I could give you any piece of advice, especially the guys leaving a soft sort of career, is go and do something that you're going to fail at. Uh, and and I guess what I mean by that is try and choose something that you're not going to be really good at, or um, that you're not. It's one of those things, right? When you're in there, and, and it's even in the normal military, you kind of get used to achieving things, get used to doing things, yeah. and and you train to to you make mistakes and et cetera, et cetera, but you kind of get used to winning, if that makes sense. Um, not so much in the actual battlefield, but you know, in in general sort of day-to-day stuff. So I think it's good to go and remind ourselves that, hey, we, we do fail at shit. And uh, because then if you do get out there in the real world and it doesn't work out, it's not going to crush everything. You're not going to f- sort of fall apart and go, fuck, this is the first time I've failed something in my life. All right? So um, how do I deal with that? And And I think, Generally, most guys are pretty good, right? They, they're used to just getting on with it once they fail something. But um, it's different when you're in the military to when you're out, I believe. And just going and doing something that you just go, actually, you know what, I'm actually really shit at this. And then and then working on that, right? Um, I think that goes a long way to sort of, again, that mindset thing about, hey, let's just do some stuff and move forward. Yeah, I accept. No, that, this has been... You know, it's been a real sort of um, a real treat to to hear you talk about your your own uh, your own story because uh, get it again. It's it's very different to read about it to, than to hear from the person that's actually been there. So ah, thank you, thank you. Obviously, I really you know, appreciate I, hearing. Yeah, uh, if I had better ways of showing showing and explaining it, sure it might help. But uh, yeah, that's that's as good as we get, I guess, these days. And I think it's important that. Um, you know, thanks to you guys for being able to put these sorts of things out there so people can access them and no, I and think experience. people love it. I think people are really going to enjoy, you know, just hear it because it's um, I don't know, it's straight, it's straight from the horse's mouth. It's really cool. It's a really cool, and even the stuff that you shared that potentially is is not always easy to share. People appreciate that honesty, and they they appreciate it. It's, it's almost like you know you're talking from the heart, and that I think that goes a long way. Yeah, and no, what, um, uh, what what's the name of your book for anyone who's listening? If they want to pick it up and uh, and get their hands on a copy. Yeah, it's called The Crossroad. Uh, um, not very clever, but we'll play on words. Um, yeah, it's called Why? The Crossroad. So, yeah, uh, at this stage, it's only at this stage it's only available in Australia and New Zealand. Um, okay, you can get you can get a hold of it. Um, if you talk to the publishing company, Pam McMillan in Australia, um, they'll, they'll be able to get you some direct, but uh, I believe. Uh, and there is other ways on the internet to get a hold of it. I'm is sure it going to come out on Kindle? I did, I did see it's not. Yeah, I think you need to order it through the Australian system um, at oh, this okay. stage. Um, and I haven't, I just haven't released it internationally just yet. Um, yeah, they, they should. I mean, it's the, the, the system. Yeah. That, yeah, that was my call actually. Oh right, uh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. At this stage, I'm I'm haven't released it internationally um, because there's talk of making it into a movie. So. Oh wow. Yeah. So. Um, right. So we'll keep that under wraps. Well, yeah. I'm still trying yeah. to figure that bit out. So. But who is that? Happen- so if you, who's going to play you? <laughs> Brad Pitt. No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> is he not a bit old? <laughs> Someone short, ugly with red hair. I don't. There's not many of those in Hollywood, right? So, 
<laughs> I, I thought that dude, the, the guy who played, um, he was actually in Lone Survivor. He, the redheaded, he played. He was like my favorite character. The the dude he just kept killing people. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, he was cool. Um, he just kept keep. He kept, just kept. It was. I mean, his character, the way he portrayed, it, I thought was. You know, yeah, probably my favorite uh, character. He's pretty cool. Yeah, no, they did both. So, uh, yeah. Haven't figured it all out yet, but we're we're, we're working on it. So. Oh wow, um, that's brilliant! Well, that's yeah. brilliant news. Yeah, well, it's, it's I don't know. I'm I'm not 100 sold just yet, but we'll uh, we'll figure it out. Oh, cool. All right, awesome. So you know, Mark, I just want to thank you for uh, taking out time to do this. Uh, you know, we really appreciate it. I know the audience is definitely going to appreciate it. Uh, especially the young Australians who are uh, looking to join the military or to kind of take that next step and, and go into the, um, you know, one of those specialized units. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for your time, John and Chantel. I really appreciate yeah, it. Appreciate it. It's been great. Uh, yeah. If there's anything I could say, it's certainly that, um, there's a whole bunch of stories out there and, and, you know, I guess I'm lucky enough to have mine brought into public eye, I suppose. But, um, yeah, if you certainly want to challenge yourself and, and certainly over the last 15 years, I know Australian special ops community has been doing a lot of work uh, and, and a lot of good work. And regardless of the things that get out there about you know, what people believe and whatnot, you know, they're, they're good people doing good things and that's kind of what it what it really matters and being a part of. And it's uh, if it's a challenge that you think you're up for, then – there's only one way to find out, right? You can do all the reading and all the research you like, um, but you still got to go and do it, and that's what it all comes down to. So get, so get your headphones off, get your music off, yeah. and get out there. <laughs> yeah, throw some, throw some bricks in your backpack and just fucking walk. Yeah, buddy, that's exactly right. Go and, uh, go and annoy the shit out of yourself, right? Keep yeah, to yourself to keep going. That's about all it is. Yeah. No, that's all, all right. It's, well, all, all, up, yeah. all give, um, give your family our best and – and keep safe as always. Yeah, thank you. You guys too. It's uh, I was actually going to try and catch up with you, Chantel. I was in the UK uh, about two weeks ago. Oh wow, uh, that's, that's yeah, great. Was, telling me now. I know, I know. I kind of, I was going to reach out, and then I thought, oh no, I'll just leave. I was there for the DCI. Oh um, really? But, uh, yeah. Well, if and you, then, yeah, if you and your family are everywhere, please, please let me know. That'd be great. No, uh, well, well, we're coming over next next year for the. They do that. I don't know if you know, but the BC GC thing in England, they do a reunion every two years. So um, they get all nine of us VCs and then all um, – actually, there's ten now because of Leakey, because of Josh. But, yeah, um, yeah, no, he's thrown one in there, hasn't he, the old paratrooper? Yeah, <laughs> no. He's, brilliant. And then uh, and the rest of the GCs, but they get us all together every two years. So. Yeah, that's fab. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah, it'd be good actually because I do, I've, I've, I've run um, – or I'm an ambassador for our – our national army museum so it'd be good to if, if ever you're about you know i'll take you and the family in because if if you've got kids it's all interactive now so they can do all crazy stuff and it's quite a decent a decent day out yeah that'd be awesome yeah actually i think one of the cool things john i'd actually like to see and i don't know who's going to organize it but maybe it might have to be me but um to get all the vcs and the medal of honor recipients in, in one room i reckon that'd be uh oh wow That'd be pretty cool one day to maybe try and do that, but it's um yeah. I mean um yeah. I got a friend of mine. He's a Medal of Honor winner. Um, actually, he's going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. But 
he's probably the right guy to talk to, I guess. So uh, I, I could mention it to him and see, you know, cause I, I know there's like processes and at least, you know, over here, when you, you win the medal of honor, you, you have to, uh, there's certain like responsibilities or things that's expected of you. And, yeah. um, you know, you kind of talk on behalf of the, the army or the Marine Corps or whatever it is. And, uh, that kind of thing. But yeah, they're, they're all, they're all connected because there's events where, I've seen like Medal of Honor recipients from Vietnam with Medal of Honor recipients from Afghanistan, Iraq. Um, so I, I, I'll definitely talk to him about it. And, um, you know, that would be pretty cool to have uh, something organized like that. And I'm, pre- and yeah, I'm pretty I mean, sure that you could get people to, to make that happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if it was for, a, um, I don't know, you know, yeah. coming together for something in particular, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. that wraps it up for our conversation with victoria cross recipient and sas trooper mark donaldson we hope you guys enjoyed it mark will be on in the future and we're going to talk about a couple different things as he's had a very long career serving in special operations and working through different specialties within the unit. So as always, we encourage you guys to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, download the episodes, share them with your friends and family, and leave us a rating, leave us a review, and that way we can get your feedback and we know what we need to improve on or what we need to continue doing uh, so that you guys will enjoy this podcast on a weekly basis. My website is www.globalrecon.net. My Instagram account is IGRecon. The second account is Black Ops Matter. Chantel Taylor, my co-host, is the author of a book called Battle Worn, The Memoirs of a Combat Medic in Afghanistan. Check it out. It's available on Amazon. It's probably the easiest place to get it. Uh, She's on Facebook at Battle Worn, The Memoirs of a Combat Medic in Afghanistan. Her Instagram account is mission underscore critical. Check her out there. I'm on Twitter at IG Recon. I'm also on LinkedIn. Just search Global Recon. Uh, We'll see you guys in a couple of days with another episode. Peace.